0: In just a few hours, we begin celebrating the holiest day of the year, the day of Yom Kippur, of course. Um, in the um, center of the davening of Yom Kippur, we discuss at length the service of the Kohen Gadol on Yom Kippur. And as uh, the swarm bring out, the Kohen Gadol was the holiest person of his generation, of his time. Yom Kippur is the holiest day of the year, and he would enter into the holiest place in the world, <coughs> the Kodesh Hakadosh, the Holy of Holies. And that's because Yom Kippur is the day of extreme and intense holiness and that each and every one of us has the ability to tap into during these 24-25 hours of Yom Kippur. Um, One short idea. When we think about Yom Kippur, really two somewhat contradictory um, pictures might come to mind. On the one hand, it's a day that we focus on repentance And therefore, we focus on the sins of the past, the sins of the past year. In fact, we say throughout the Yom Kippur a number of times, the Alchit, which is the confession, where we go into a detailed confession of all different types of sinful behavior that we may have been involved in, and we ask Hashem for forgiveness for it. So we are focusing on our um, failings, and our failings, and on our sins, and on the uh, lesser uh, parts of our personalities. At the same time, it's a day of extreme holiness, as we said. We dress in white, and in many ways, we are compared to angels on this day. We don't eat, and we don't uh, we don't uh, partake in different types of uh, any types of uh, mundane or physical pleasures. Um, and so much so that in, an interesting thing in the davening of Yom Kippur is that we're, whereas throughout the year, when we say the Shema, the next line, the Baruch Shem, we say in an undertone, we say quietly. On Yom Kippur we say it loud, and the reason we say it loud is because it says that that's a prayer of angels, and on Yom Kippur we're like angels, and therefore we're able to say that prayer the way the angels say them. So here we have the two sides of Yom Kippur. We're focusing on sins, sins of the past, failings, uh, human weaknesses, and at the same time we're dressed in white and we're fasting and we're praying all day, and and we're feeling like angels, like those, those holy beings. So how do these two things come together on this day? Are we sinners or are we angels? Are we people who have this very checkered past, or are we very holy people, like on the level of angels? And, of course, there isn't here a contradiction. Rather, these two ideas totally um, complement each other. And to explain it in the following way, really goes to the root of why Shuva works, the whole concept of sinfulness and sinful behaviors. And then we... uh, you know, we're inspired and we resolve to change our minds and we beg forgiveness and it works. Why does it work? <clears throat> what's, the, uh, what's the background to why indeed does tshuva work? And Chassidus says something very beautiful. And it says, there is a part of us, a very deep and very holy part of us, that never sinned, that was never touched, never soiled, never tainted by sin. There's a part of our neshama, part of our soul, that's so connected to Hashem, so connected to God, that it never sins. The sins come from more, much more external parts of ourselves, The parts that are covering over the essence of our neshama, the essence of our soul. So when one sins, so one has created some type of a, uh, a blockage, some type of something a negative um, in our relationship with Hashem. What we do then is we dig down deeper and we find, we reveal, we elicit the part of us that remains, that always remains holy, pure and pristine And when that is revealed, all the external stuff fall away. Hasidus gives, interestingly, two examples for that, two metaphors, one from fire and one from water. We know that our relationship to Hashem is many times called a relationship of fire, just like fire yearns um, to go upward and fire is always flickering upward. So we yearn and we flicker towards Hashem. And our relationship to Hashem is also many times considered a relationship of water and that reflects calmness and serenity and purity and peacefulness and that's a, the beautiful relationship that we share with Hashem. Now both fire and water um, are are used as an example here. We'll talk about water first. Um, you have water running in a river but sometimes the river dries up. Um, the inclement weather or whatever, the heat, and the, the river dries up so what are you going to do? So you have to decrypt dig deep down in the earth and find the source of water, the well that goes all the way down to the depths. And once the source of water is found and revealed, that comes rushing up or gushing up and refills the dried out stream. In fire, we have a similar concept. Fire sometimes goes out. So you have a burning fire and it goes out. Water put it out. Other elements put it out. But then we have what's called a flintstone. The flintstone is something that has some type of source of fire within it, that when banged properly, fire can be brought out, fire can be created from inside the flintstone. Now, the flintstone may have been submerged in water for years, so there's no revealed flame whatsoever. But once we take out that flintstone, we dry it up, and then we bang it properly, we're able to elicit from deep within a new fire, and suddenly there is fire again. So both when it comes to fire and water, what we're doing is when the water dried up, when the fire was put out, we're going to the source where it comes from. We're going to the source of water deep down under. We're going to the source of fire within the Flintstone and we're rekindling the fire. We're refilling the wells or the rivers with water. And the same is with our neshama. When our neshama and our soul has become stained throughout through various behaviors, not holy behaviors throughout the year comes one day of the year when we're able to dig down and find the very source, the deepest, innermost parts of our neshama of our soul, the part that always remains holy, that always remains connected, that always has that fire and water within it. And on Yom Kippur, we're able to reveal that innermost part of ourselves. That's why Yom Kippur is the only day of the year when we dive in five Tfilos. I mean, on a regular day, there's three Tfilos, Shachris, Mincha, and Maariv. On Shabbos, There's a fourth which is Musaf. one day a year, Yom Kippur, we also daven Ne'ilah, so we have five davenings. And Kabbalah and Hasidah teaches us that there are five levels to the soul. And the deeper and most innermost level is called the Yechida, the part that's always one with Hashem. On Yom Kippur, we have that ability to access that part of our soul that's always holy and that's always pure. And that explains that initial contradiction that we were discussing. On Yom Kippur, we're like angels. On Yom Kippur, we're as, as holy as can be because we're we're revealing and touching and accessing the part of us that's always holy, that's always pure. And once we're able to touch that, once we're able to reveal that, that's able to wash away and that's able to refill um, whatever waters have dried up and whatever fire has been extinguished in our relationship with Hashem is all able to be rekindled and refilled through touching and revealing this deepest part of our neshama, which happens, of course, through doing the mitzvahs of the day, in the mitzvah of the fasting, davening, trying to pour our, heart, our hearts out to Hashem, putting our intentions into our davening, into our tehillim. Hashem should give each and every one of us a very wonderful, meaningful, deep Yom Kippur, where we are able to tap into that innermost connection that we have with Hashem, that area where we are holy, no matter what, and through that, bring that holiness into a very revealed way into our lives, So this coming year should be a year of blessing and a year of goodness and a year of peace for each and every one of us and everything that we need and for Klal Yisrael as a whole. with The coming of Mashiach may it be today.